Hi, welcome back. Let's keep walking. Gone fishing. Let's head into the seafood department next. Talk about a department on the rise. This one is poised for takeoff. If you've gathered anything from the theme of this book, it's that health and wellness are paramount to the future of any place selling food. Customers change and they're not changing back. Of course, there's still a place for decadence, but healthy and sustainable and socially conscious will drive the future. And the seafood department is right there waiting. First, let's talk about how the set looks. Pretty much any store selling food has a spot for the seafood department. If you're a lower income area or price oriented store, then it might be best to go with wrapped fish or frozen seafood. And if you're heading in that direction, then the types of fish are more towards bulk than specialized. The Pacific halibut does not belong in these stores. Flounder, shrimp, haddock, surimi, tilapia, farm salmon are the types of fish that are affordable and able to be offered at competitive price points for those who are mostly looking for something relatively healthy to feed their families. And speaking of feeding your family affordably, make sure you have multiple forms of fish to offer as well. The fully unadulterated fish, the uncooked but seasoned fish, and the cooked fish. Not everyone knows what to do with seafood. And in the cook section, make sure you have an ample selection of fried seafood, mostly haddock and shrimp. Since it's served cold, this way of offering the seafood is also able to be purchased on electronic benefits cards or EBT. You should point this out as a convenience to those customers using EBT. In some retailers, they'll offer to fry anything for anyone. Anything in the case can be chosen and fried right there in the seafood department. Make sure you have some kind of a hush puppy or french fries along with some coleslaw. Served as a dinner and talked up as fish Fridays or something corny like that, you may find yourself selling around 10% of your seafood volume as fried fish. And once again, you make more gross profit, offer a unique experience to your guests, and may offer something that other competitors do not. Now let's talk about the higher-end stores where the demand for seafood is significantly higher. Everyone knows seafood is good for you, but not all can afford it. Those who can afford it usually buy it. In these stores, you should be offering a service seafood case where you train your seafood professionals to talk about recipes, how to best prepare, prepare how to best serve, what's new, all the things that someone would use to choose your store over another. In these stores, very important. I'm not even sure why you would offer anything farm-raised. The press on farm-raised has been so bad. There's a pretty good chance the industry will never convince anyone that a farm-raised fish is good for them. Everything in the case should be wild-caught. Wild-caught is a preferred fish for anyone who can afford it. And filling your case with farm-raised will mostly raise the suspicion that you have no idea what you're doing. Remember, customers are trusting you to maintain the cold chain, maintain the cleanliness of your cases, if you can smell the seafood, do, do not buy any from that store. Source your fish sustainably and socially consciously. And filling a higher demographic store with farm-raised seafood will ruin everything you're attempting to do. And these stores, if you, as you might imagine, you need to accept that customers are looking for a base variety, primarily sockeye salmon, haddock, cod, perch, trout, etc. And then a mix of in-and-out items like halibut, squid, red snapper, etc. Read up on trends and healthy items and feature those kinds of items. A customer in this kind of store is up to date on health trends in every department. Lastly, how about lobsters? Yes, you should carry them. And yes, put the case out in front of everybody. I feel bad for them as well. I really cannot stand looking at live lobsters knowing they're just waiting around for, well, you know. But it has become customary in this country to have tanks of live lobsters visible on the sales floor. If you happen to be in a predominantly Asian market where live fish is customary, and have no idea how Asians eat seafood, you might want to get up to speed quickly. Either buy the expertise, acquire somebody, or hire an expert. 
you're going to have zero credibility in an Asian market if you do not know the Asian customers' preferences, normal selections, and how the Asian customers like to choose their fish, usually live and swimming. Seafood is going to be the star of the future. So let's keep on going. Let's go to the meat department. The meat department is still a high-volume, high-velocity department in the store. Just the trends of red meat consumption are really not good. What's the theme here? Health and wellness. Red meat has very little place in a health-conscious customer's mind. In China, they're good. Red meat's rocking in China. In the United States, not so much. So first, what are we going to do about red meat? Used to be the star of the show, big steaks, massive packs of ground beef, huge chuck roast in the winter, rib roast for Christmas, even cube steak. Ew. Not much you can do about massive large packs coming back. It's not going to happen. That train has sailed, as Austin Powers said, but you can assure you have plenty of grass-fed, organic, no, no, no red meat, meaning no preservatives, no antibiotics, no anything added. There's a future for grass-fed, and that may be the only real future for red meat. Regular red meat full of preservatives, high-yield feed, tight cages, and unhealthy animals will still sell. The heyday is over. Only other suggestion, which is the direct result of the massive inflation in red meat prices the last few years, is train the meat cutters to package the product with the end price point in mind. In the past, you lowered the price per pound and then made the packs as large as possible. You needed volume. Today, with the price per pound so much higher, even a discounted product is going to be inordinately expensive when packaged in a larger family size or value pack. Give explicit instructions to ensure there are packages of red meat under $10, between $10 and $15, and then $15 and up. You know who caught on to this issue first? Walmart. They started calling everything thin-sliced. There would still be four or five pieces or whatever the cut of meat is, but they are thinner now. In essence, the package still looked like you could feed your family, and it also looked affordable. They made this change in both red meat as well as pork products. Nice job by Walmart on that one. Other than the slow downtrend of red meat, you still need to pay attention to grilling steaks in the summer, roasts in the winter. Maybe you have a summer in January sale just to try something new. You'd be surprised how many people will buy a steak just because you made it kind of interesting. Also, make sure you're doing some sourcing from Australia. In the last few years, Australian beef has become more widely accepted. It has better costs than many United States alternatives, if you can believe that. A large chunk of the organic grass-fed beef is now being sourced from Australia. If you're running merchandising and sourcing from Australia as a surprise to your red meat buyer, then you have some issues. One more point of red meat packaging. There's a groundswell of acceptance of what we call cryopacks of red meat being available to the customer. We could call it the Wegmans effect. For years, Wegmans has been one of the few chains to offer red meat in a vacuum-sealed cryopack to the customers. Benefits of this pack to the consumer are enormous. This type of packaging offers excellent dating, gives more time to use the product before having to freeze it, is ready when you need it, not having to be thawed, and is an all-around one of the most consumer-friendly packs available. Why more chains have not adopted this type of packaging can really only be attributed to the purists who think red meat needs to sit in a white tray and that's it. Let's move on to pork. Pork's kind of boring. I apologize to all the pigs who have given their lives to this boredom, but not much has changed in pork for the last 25 years. Make sure you have organics or natural. Hopefully that's in your notes by the time you've gotten this far in the book. Have some thick cut, some thin cut. Have some large trays, some small trays. Stay in stock. The pork industry tried with the pork, the other white meat campaign, and it was able to get pork on the radar, and well, that's it. Keep it in stock. Trend is flat. Prices are flat. Excitement is flat. 
Let's move on. Chicken. Oh, chicken. What was once described as the massively healthy alternative to red meat, chicken is now under a major attack for, well, the fact that we now seem to be growing super chickens. Feed given to chickens these days is turning them into monsters. Of course, great for chicken factories. Pretty clear it might not be all that great for humans consuming these massive birds. Just bubbling up now, so would expect to have quite a backlash against super chickens for years to come. Best way to combat that issue, spread out on organic, natural, no preservatives, no antibiotics, etc. The truth in labeling for chickens is going to be the issue for poultry in the future. What about the rest? You have hams, which do tend to peak either around Christmas and Easter. And then the next most popular items are related to being cold out and maybe hosting guests like Super Bowl. Turkeys, just one time a year. It's pretty much it, you know. Turkeys for 19 cents a pound or 49 cents a pound are probably the best protein deal in the store. Amount of time to prep a turkey is probably the reason they haven't caught on for occasions other than Thanksgiving. Where can you make a difference in sales and margin in the meat department? Frozen is a solid growth area. Think specialty frozen burgers, appetizers, meal kits, meal occasions, good growth areas. Another way, meat bundles. I love meat bundles. Where you have the clientele receiving money once or twice a month from the government, bundling meat packs into $50 bundles, $75 bundles, and even $150 bundles can sell a ton of meat to people who feel the need to stock up for a month. Service meat cases where someone can speak to a meat associate and pick out his or her own meat guts. Yep, there's still a place for service meat counters. It's a pretty high-level demographic, though. Most customers make the assumption the service meat case products are better quality and more expensive. On the one hand, price, they're correct. On the other hand, quality, they had better be correct. Make it known the service meat case is not for reconditioning product that did not sell in the self-serve case. One other area, meat grinds. Make sure the quality control and integrity are maintained in the process. Labeling something 80-20 ground beef and it's not, it's a bad idea. Customers are quite tuned into meat fat content, chuck, sirloin, etc., Plus, the government would like you to sell what you say you're selling. Meat is an integral part of the reason shop, customers shop stores and should be thought of as an identity department. Fresh, well-cold, well-rotated, full assortment, full seasonal offering. It's all part of the reason people will choose your store. All right, let's move on to the deli. We're going to separate deli and food service for this guide. In most cases, the stores will lump them together as deli food service. That's a mistake. The deli is still an area selling things to be eventually put together and consumed at home or out somewhere. Food service area takes a restaurateur to run it. We'll hit food service after deli, especially tackle the new grocerant trend. The deli is an area that, what's our theme again? It is being pressured by health and wellness. You can pretty much keep health and wellness on your notes for every department. In the deli, this department has a halo effect. Call it the subway effect where... Eat fresh and eat healthy and Jared until, you know, that thing happened. And all those kind of innuendos have helped the deli come across as a healthy alternative to something. I guess fried foods. But just like chicken, the health and wellness trend has forced another look at the immense amount of nitrates, sodium, and junk that has been thrown into the processed meats. Then labeled as healthy. In some cases, eating a deli meat sandwich is just as bad for your body as a Big Mac with fries. What can we do in the deli? In this area, besides seeking out and sourcing actual nitrate and nitrate-free, preservative-free, organic deli meats, you must do this, 
you win in a variety of ways. Three-tier pricing structure and variety. Everything else re revolves around these two principles. For the three-tier pricing, it's commonly known amongst customers that you can flex in and out of fat content of deli meats. It's also commonly known that the price will fluctuate with the quality levels. Some customers just want a cheap protein that can feed their family. A rock-solid price on ham, turkey, yellow American cheese, and maybe a roast beef is necessary to satisfy a certain segment of the population. If you do not offer that tier today, do not be afraid to attack it. In multiple retailers, it's been proven that an opening price point deli meat offer does not cannibalize the better quality meats. It just brings people back over to the deli that have been skipping you and going to Aldi or Walmart. For the other tiers, you need a quality product that is national brand equivalent, store brand, plus maybe a national brand, think like Sara Lee. Then you need a quality tier brand like Boar's Head. You may choose to also offer a store brand a higher quality tier, but be careful. It might become a major area of shrink if you're trying to sell a store brand next to Boar's Head or Dietz & Watson. Then take care of variety. Like all the Italian cuts, the more obscure cuts, the varieties of cheeses, and anything that makes you stand out for assortment. These cuts do not need to be low priced, as that is not why people are buying them. Keep them wrapped until a customer wants them wrapped immediately after. They do not have a ton of volume, so watch for shrink. Keep variety, though. Do not control yourself out of business. A few other points in the deli. Face the slicers towards the customers. It's a simple thing, but makes a huge difference in appearance and implied customer service. The associate takes the order, grabs a wrapped meat, takes it around the table to then face the customer while cutting. Seems small, but it isn't. The rule for anything in the store is to avoid turning your back to the customer. And yes, I know it's more difficult and takes up more time that can be used on the next customer, but always cut off a piece and ask, is this okay on the slicing? People are quite particular about how thickly or thinly sliced they want their deli meats. Of course, hand them that piece, always. Customers love eating in a store. Feed someone and they instantly love you. Last thing on the deli, we'll get to cheese and pizza later, is scheduling. Watch labor in the deli during peak shopping hours. Cutting labor in the deli is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You keep cutting, the sales go down accordingly. Cut some more and the sales keep going down. Sales go down, you get to cut labor. Stop it. Some customers will wait in line for the chance of the deli slicing associate, but some won't. Those are just silent voters who looked at the line and decided it wasn't worth their time or effort. In other words, you have no idea how much you can sell because you're limiting those who don't want to wait. They'll go somewhere else. Are there things you can do to help alleviate the pressure when busy? Of course. Pre-slice the high-volume meats. Some people think this is a bad idea. Wegmans does it. Sometimes just look at others and make a decision. There's no proof whether pre-slicing is good or bad. This is an example of whomever has the loudest opinion. Kind of like integrating or keeping organics separate. You just argue and decide nothing because there's no right or wrong. I say pre-slice the ham, turkey, American cheese, roast beef, and maybe even bologna, or whatever's on sale that week. I've never seen a customer balk at it. You can also pre-slice and package deli meats and salads and have a spot on the floor for anyone who does not want to wait. Excellent solution. Speaking of deli salads, you really just need to focus on macaroni salad and potato salad. These two are the big kids on the block. You still need variety, but these are two salads that are more than 50% of your deli salad sales. The deli is still a quality and signature area for many retailers and needs to be run by someone with a keen view on how to maximize sales while controlling shrink. Control. Don't eliminate. Eliminate shrink and you eliminate your sales. So let's talk about groceries. 
reason I separated food service from the deli is the incredible growth and equally incredible opportunity for shrink that comes from food service department. In essence, food service is what put Wegmans on the map. In a lesser way, it's also been integral in the rise of Harris Teeter, HEB, Roach Brothers, and a slew of grocery stores that put food service front and center in their differentiated offer. But as opposed to being the old stodgy food service departments of old, we now have Grocerants, a hybrid of grocery store and restaurant. We've entered a whole new level of restaurant offers in stores. In fact, let's ditch the word food service and leave it in the past with the fried chicken and potato logs. Those days are pretty much over unless you're in the South or run a truck stop. Fried chicken is still alive and well in the South and should be held to a high regard. It's a way of life. First things first, hire someone with restaurant experience for this area of your store. This is not the deli category manager anymore. It doesn't work that way. You are proactively offering a dining out or dining at home option to your customers. You are not competing against restaurants and real chefs. This is not a department where you ask someone, hey, you want to try running food service? You need restaurant expertise. Now, having said that, make sure it's a restaurateur who either understands grocery stores or can learn quickly. Where do you want to go from there? The sky is the limit. With the right amount of imagination combined with the appropriate demographic customer and someone willing to go out on the limb with capital funding, this area of your store can be the area everyone talks about. Let's work our way up. First, though, you can stop reading if you just do this. Copy everything Wegmans is doing and bring it. Bring in enough volume to support the operation profitably. Do that and you're fine. Stop reading. All kidding aside, Wegmans does an outstanding job in their restaurants, but you may want to make sure you have enough traffic volume to offer what they do. Otherwise, just doing what they do is going to be the death knell for profitability. For everyone else, let's talk about how to put the offer together. Let's talk about cold and hot differences first. The ability to offer a large assortment of cold prepared foods is desirable. Cold pizza, cold chicken, cold everything, they are all fine and part of a convenient offer. But do not confuse offering cold food to be heated at home as running a restaurant. It is necessary for your assortment offer, but does not differentiate you. The hot foods are your differentiator. Most visible, highest volume item of them all, the rotisserie chicken. Rotisserie chicken or the roaster. Largest tonnage item in most prepared food areas tends to be the rotisserie chicken. It was first on the block. It was highly touted as one of the first meal solutions offered by grocery stores, and it still reigns supreme today. As with everything else in this book, you still need to pay attention to health and wellness. These things are Packed with sodium. At some point, work on your offer to the degree where you can reduce the sodium content without impacting taste. Salt is there because we like it. You can address trends by ensuring you carry organic rotisserie chickens and make sure you communicate they are probiotic free, pesticide free, growth hormone free, etc. They'll cost more, but the customer wants to know why. For the flavors, regular is a top seller. Then please make sure you have a variety of flavors. Most customers will pick up a regular bird and a flavored bird. That's how customers think. I'll choose a safe one and then spread my wings and try a new flavor. Make sure you have a steady supply of roasters cooking throughout the day and can meet demand for the afternoon shopper. Do not cook everything in the morning. Let it sit there all day. Once you've established a solid business of rotisserie chickens, try some rotisserie turkey breasts as well. They all sell well. Environmental scanning tip, get into the club stores and see what they're doing for roasters as well as everything else. Club stores love the rotisserie chicken statement. They tend to have a bigger bird, cooked weight to around 36 ounces, and a better price. Comparing to the grocery store's 26 to 28 ounce cooked weight, and you can see the issue. 
Now, what about pizza? Great opportunity to have another differentiator in the hot foods area. In many ways, the food store can offer a better selection of pizza, have more affordable lunch options, and take care of customers better than pizzerias. They're covering all their overhead expenses with their one commodity. The only issue, pizzerias deliver. If you really want to establish yourself in the pizza business, figure out a way to deliver pizza. And do it like the pizza shops. Piping hot, friendly drivers, etc., etc. If you cannot replicate that experience, then just don't do it. The rest of the foods would be offered hot. Well, that would be controlled primarily by demographics surrounding the store. Asian food, Mexican food, soups, generic hot bar. They all can work if you know your potential for lunch, your potential for dinner. The customers surrounding your store, etc. Word of caution, if you want to establish yourself as a place for dinner, don't have a hot bar being cleaned up or sold down at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. One of the quickest ways to drive people to real restaurants that are open late. Remember, grocery stores are not known as places to visit late for anything fresh. One last thing about hot foods and grocery stores is you need a nut who will, not, who will stop at nothing to push through his or her ideas. Think about it. It's a tough labor department. 10% is thrown away every day. It takes ovens and electricity. It takes expensive skills, etc. If you want this business to expand and be successful, you need someone who can withstand the pressure to control all expenses down to where you sell only the top items. Please join me for part three.